and you've made them for your enjoyment according to your will and your pleasure. Thank you, Lord, that we please you. I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, to bless us with your word because that will uh, cause us to walk in a way that pleases you more. So we love you and we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to continue talking about what we started yesterday, uh, running with the vision and talking about the um, uh, vision of this ministry specifically, but also the vision of everybody that that God has ever spoken to and is going to speak to uh, because it speaks of the redemption of humanity from all powers of darkness. Amen. So when we talk about um, any vision that God has put forth in the earth, it's a vision of his power coming back and dominating the earth. It's not a picture of some kind of gloom and doom and God created all of this for nothing. And the devil wins after all and takes everybody to hell with him. That is not what we see. And uh, so we see an earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the seas. Need an ink pen, sis? You got one? Okay. What, you need anything? You, you okay? Go ahead, girl. I got mine. <laughs> we all got our glasses now. <laughs> I might try it for a few steps without them, but I'll go too far without them. So praise God. So anyway, uh, God says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the seas. And uh, I've I've run into other people that have that vision of the, they talk about the glory uh um, in fact, I tend to gravitate towards people like that. I'll find their their teachings on YouTube. I'll find their books and their messages. And why is that? Because if I'm saying I'm believing something, I got to know about what I believe. I've got to know what others have have accomplished who have that same vision. And I've got to, in some way, uh, if possible, connect with those who are in the earth now who have the same vision. And so we want to make sure that we feel the vision that God has put inside of us. And one of the ways of doing that is connecting with other words that are spoken and dis- describe the similar vision. And so when you see people who are hungry for the glory of God and hunger for for this this type vision to come to pass, uh, then you can connect with them because they're going the same way. There's so many people uh, who are Christians in the body of Christ that don't have God's vision uh, for uh, the times that that toward the end or the time that we live in. And so it's difficult to keep going without vision. Uh, sometimes uh, people will quit on God. They'll backslide. They'll quit believing. They'll quit preaching. They'll quit doing everything uh, because they lack vision they've never picked it up where we're going and so if you don't know where you're you're going your ride won't be comfortable uh, you won't be peaceful about uh, your journey you'll always have doubts about your journey you ever been in a car and you don't have directions you get lost somehow and you you can't you're so nervous you can't even keep your eyes focused on where you are to read a sign and get your bearings and so it's the same way with anything spiritual if you don't have a vision for where you're going you get lost somewhere and you're just kind of wander and you'll be uh easily i would say led astray 
because you'll find that if you everything sounds good to you uh that comes to you that sounds a little bit spiritual you ever know people like that they they're tossed to and fro by every wind and wave they go here there and everywhere or they settle into religion they just bring their body to church and go through the motions of having vision and then they're they're easy it's easy for them to quit on on things when it doesn't look like in the natural it's going the way they think it's supposed to go and so that that person lacks vision as well but i believe if you keep the vision of the glory of god before you uh you understand that that vision will hold you to the vision you're committed to the vision that vision will hold you it'll hold your attention uh you won't stray if you stray you won't stray very far uh but you'll always come back and center on the vision that God has put before you because you'll know hey wait a minute God's up to something good here God's about to do something miraculous in the earth and I want to be a part of that you see I haven't prayed all these years for nothing I'm going to hang in here so that I can be a part of it so we found in Habakkuk 2 a description of the vision he tells us in in chapter in verse 2 to write it and make it plain so that he who sees it can run with it amen it's for an appointed time he says though it tarry wait for it so you know it's gonna there's an appointed time for everything and that won't change that appointment that that event has with the earth will not change and so our part is to stay faithful to God until it comes to pass. Amen. So just stay faithful to God until that vision comes to pass. When it comes to pass, learn how to recognize it. This is another problem with God's people. When uh, certain things that God promises come to pass, we fight them because they don't include the people we think they're supposed to include. Or they don't look like God. They don't look like uh, the blessing of God. Think about the time at the turn of the last century at Azusa Street. When God began to pour out his spirit among uh, uh, African-American people in Los Angeles in a very small house, uh, in, when the house was too full, they almost broke the porch down. They had to move to a, guess what, stable. So here the Lord is born in a stable. He decides he's going to go back to the stable and start to bless people. Look at all the pastors of huge churches that thought God could not be there because they don't have carpet they don't have drapes they don't have large pews they're not well known and so every time God moves by his spirit the people that think they know where he's going to move miss it because many times he never tells people where he's going to move you start telling people I'm going to move in the city of of uh you know St. Louis, they'll go there and start trying to manufacture something that looks like God. Religious people will start to camp out there before God ever shows up. And so what God does is he does things that the Bible says after the counsel of his own will. He wants the move to be pure. So he finds a place where he can do it in a pure fashion in a way that he approves of.
And many times he has to prepare people's hearts through prayer. You'll find many times people will, will just get the burden to start to pray or they'll, they'll get a prayer, uh, something in their vision that they can't shake and they keep saying, God, what is this? I wish you'd do this. God, when are you going to do this? And they'll start to pray toward it. Amen. And then God starts to move and he starts to manifest. He starts to do what he says he's going to do. So, but people who have invested their spirits in it are more likely to recognize it when it comes. People who have not invested their spirits in it, they're looking in the natural. They're looking in familiar places for something they've never seen before. And they don't know how it's going to look. Amen. And so when we understand that God wants to uh, fill every vessel, he wants to bless everybody, he wants to increase us in the things of God on the earth, then we'll start to anticipate uh, with the freedom of knowing. We'll start letting God do it his way. That's the way I look at it. We start taking the limitations, the conditions, the preferences. We start taking that off of the move of God and we allow God to move any old way he wants to move through whomever. We just don't care. And so the more people he can get praying that way, the purer the move of God is, the more powerful it is, more purity, more power. And he can do more for people. He can start anointing some hungry believers. They've just been dying to get enough power to go out and cast a devil out of a neighbor's child that that's overdosed, almost overdosed three times on uh, fentanyl or something like that. You understand what I'm saying? He wants to reach the hungry hearts of hungry humanity to do good. And that's what he's about, folks. He's not about making a uh, somebody with 10,000 people, two more people add to their numbers. He's not into numbers. He's into souls. He's into doing where he's into reaching people who desire him and changing the desires of people who seem not to want him to want him. Amen. He's in, he's into changing the hearts of men, changing our behavior, changing the way we relate to one another, changing what we expect from him, changing those things. So if you're praying for a, a revival or you're praying for a move of God and you're not ready to be changed, you're not ready because it's going to change you. It has to change us because if we, if we were ready for it, it would be here. So there will have to be changes in each and every vessel that claims to be anticipating the Lord's moving for a change. So uh, he says here in verse uh, seven, 4, Behold, his soul which is lifted up in him is, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So God begins to reprove the prophet because the prophet has been saying, Look, God, all these evil people are getting more and more evil. They're more and more wicked and they seem to be prospering and you let them do it and you do nothing. I'm sick of standing by seeing all this happen and you do nothing. And so God says the just will live by his faith. In other words, prophet, hang on and quit running your mouth so much and listen to me. You're a justified person and you have to live by the faith of what I tell you. He says, yea, also because he transgressed by wine. He is a proud man. He doesn't keep his home together. He enlarges his desire as hell and is in is as death and cannot be satisfied, but gathers unto him all nations and heaps unto him all people. 
Shall not all these take up a parable against him and a taunting proverb against him and say, Woe to him that increases that which is not his. How long? So the people who are oppressing, stealing, um, all of this stuff. You know, recently, I think it was, um, shoot, I think it might have been Ben Carson. Somebody who's got a huge budget, housing and urban development. He found over $500 million missing and misused. When he first took office, the first thing you do when you come in is take an audit. And he found out that that much money had been stolen out of the budget and never accounted for. So God wants to take care of those things. And from this day forward, that stops. That's why people are so upset with this administration because they're finding every every crook, every piece of money that's not accounted for. It's coming to the light. And so we need to rejoice in that because to me, that's part of this vision coming to pass. God says people who oppress and take what's not theirs, he doesn't like it, but he's waiting for his people to catch the vision so he can put a stop to it. Amen. And pray toward the vision so he can put a stop to it. Notice the prayers that you pray. We pray for forgiveness for tolerating uh, uh, lack of integrity in our government, our churches, our schools, everywhere. When we say we're, we're sorry for that, Lord, change it. He comes in and changes it. And then everybody else complains and call the person that changes it a racist to try and discredit them because he's doing God's will. You shouldn't care who he doesn't like. As long as he's enacting laws that are helping people rejoice in it, it's an answer to prayer. And cut the nonsense out. Stop being distracted by this foolishness. So when God comes in, he starts to do things like this. If you don't think these are the seeds of revival, think again. How many of you like paying the taxes you pay? We're always looking to pay less taxes, but somehow they manage to keep increasing. You want to know that what you're paying for is legitimate. You don't want it thrown away. My goodness. So we have to rejoice when we see the vision coming to pass. And this is part of the vision. Woe to him that increases that which is not his. How long? People ask this question all the time. How can these Congress people who make $160,000 a year be multimillionaires and billionaires after only a few years? Guess. You don't have to be a genius to figure that one out. Why do you think they have lobbyists waiting outside their offices? Those people have money to pay them to enact the laws that are good for them, not we the people. We're last, but no more. You got it? So don't curse everything that you don't like or don't understand. You guys, you gotta hold your peace and, and wait till the dust settles and see what God's doing. Verse 8, because you have spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil you. Remnant of the people, that's we the people, folks. Amen. We shall take back what the enemy stolen. Amen. 
because of men's blood and for the violence of the land of the city and of all that dwell therein woe to him that covers an evil covetousness that covets an evil covetousness to his house as somebody who wants something that belongs to somebody else that he may set his nest on high that he may be delivered from the power of evil woe to him because that's not going to keep happening you have consulted shame to your house by cutting off many people and have sinned against your soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Oh, you think you're secure in your mansion up on the hill. Your walls are going to speak again. You won't have peace anywhere you go. You got me? Your wall's going to prophesy against you. Woe to him that builds a town with blood. All these people that are in the Middle East that are killing up each other and chasing innocent people out of their homes at woe. Amen. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? God will let them do it huh? for a season. But when he's done, he's done. He says woe to them. Why? Because the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the seas. Amen. It's going to swallow up the evil. It's going to swallow up the injustice. It's going to swallow up the thief. It's going to swallow up the liar. It's going to swallow up the fornicator, the child molester. It'll swallow up everything. So don't be concerned about. Huh? God's taking care of business, y'all. You, we just have to be faithful to pray. Woe to him that gives his neighbor wine to drink and puts your bottle to him and makes him drunken also that you may look on his nakedness. That's the, the, uh, people that are, uh, you know, one night stand people out in the world, all that kind of crazy stuff. The Jeffrey Epsteins of the world. That have, uh, you know, <laughs> private jets and yachts for immoral purposes. Whoa. That's why he's no longer with us. You are filled with shame for glory. Drink you also and let your, uh, your, uh, private parts be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned to you and shameful spewing shall be on your glory. So anyway, those people are brought to shame, folks. Come on now. It's it's not easy, to, hard to figure out. But there is a time for it. Amen. There is a time for everything. So we were saying that God is it encourages us to run with the vision. Why? Because his word runs very swiftly on the earth. And when we run with the vision, we're just catching up with the running of the word. So we're running hand in hand with the word of God that runs very swiftly on the earth. God tells us then also to wait. So we had two words that described our activities. One is run. The other is wait. So we talked about what it means to run with the word yesterday. Running with the word really uh all of this. Old Testament speaking of how we're to run with the vision and run with the word speaks of a time where we would be filled with his glory and a time where we would go freely in the earth 
and demonstrate his glory. And that's in Mark 16, 17 and 18. So that is part of the fulfillment of the vision where Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He believe, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Who, he who believes not shall be damned. And these signs will follow those who believe. The signs that follow believers have to do with what God says will happen in the time of the end. These signs shall follow those who believe. What signs? In my name they will cast out devils, speak with new tongues, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If they eat any deadly thing, they will handle serpents and won't bite them. You have power over all power of darkness. You notice a sign is not water baptism. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But a sign is something that God supernaturally manifests on his own and it doesn't depend on our voluntary submission to it. Amen. But water baptism is a a, a, um, a blessing and a sacrament of the church. It's been upheld forever because Jesus submitted himself to it. Amen. And so when you talk about signs, and see I say this to say there are denominations that swear by salvation and water baptism, but they don't let you speak in tongues. Got me? So you have to stick with what God says are the signs. Amen. Are people who who uh, are born again but don't speak in tongues, are they saved? Yes, they're saved. But we're talking about a, a specific ministry set forth for believers to participate in. So if you truly believe God's word, you will manifest these signs. Amen. Because these are this is the same ministry that Jesus left with the early church. He left it, he leaves it with all believers. And so we if we are are in the anointing that God left for us. We will show these signs. Amen. That's why we go out in groups and pray for the sick. Because generally, if you follow the pattern, Jesus sent them two by two. And they manifested the full power of God. Now there might be times where where God will manifest that. If you're there with somebody and the unction's upon you and you're by yourself, you can pray for people. But this is how we train believers. We train them according to the scriptural model and you go out with a buddy and God shows up in power and demonstration and these signs begin to follow those who believe. Can you believe by yourself? Yes, you can. Nobody can stop you from believing and obeying God. But I'm telling you, if you follow the scriptural pattern, you come out with more of the manifestation. The Bible says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. And confirming his word with signs following. So that's how we know the Lord is working with you. He confirms what he does with signs following. And without a sign he's not involved in it. You know you can say well I got a spiritual blessing. Well that's wonderful. But we're looking to obey this thing right here. Because see there's so many people that have cancer. There's so many people that have. You see all these people out running uh, raising money for breast cancer 
Now money is not going to buy you a healing. Now it can help people who are involved in research to find a cure. But how we know you're going to live that long for them to go through what they go through to get your cure for you. But we know that if believers will lay hands on you, God will heal you. You will recover. You know, I don't put people down for going to the doctor. That's not what it's about. But we have a covenant of health. We have a guarantee of health with God if we will obey him. Amen. Problem is there's such disobedience in the word. You find people that add stuff to the word and you know, I knew people that, that believe God and then they didn't get healed. That's the first thing people want to tell you, especially if you're a new believer. You can always have somebody come the devil will see to it. Somebody comes and gets in your face with their doubt. I used to fall out with people all the time. I've learned not to fall out with people, but I don't listen to them. I don't embrace what they say. Oh, we don't get excited about it. I used to when I did, you know, I didn't have the fruit yielding to it the way I do now, but I don't receive what these people say and tell me what God ain't going to do. Are you kidding me? This, he didn't give us 66 books of have done, can do, will do for us to sit up and say, talk about what he won't do. You know, seriously. You do all of this to, to build up your faith. You read the word, you pray, you study diligently, and then the devil sends somebody to tell you, well, you, you, well, you know, God don't do that all the time. I don't know about all the time, but I know what's in my heart he's going to do. You understand what I'm saying? All the time is for somebody else to judge, but I know what I'm believing him for. So Mark 16, 17, and 18 is our open door to run with the vision. And the vision is to, for you to take the glory. This, the, the signs following represents the glory of God. So that glory that we have with our abilities to lay hands on the sick and God causes them to recover, all of that preaching the gospel, the good news is the glory of God. Amen. And so all of that is His glory and that glory is being revealed in the earth. It increases over uh, time. It does not decrease. Now, many times people say, well, you know, there are periods of time where we don't see anything. That don't mean it's decreasing. Huh? You know, women, if you've had had children, you know, you know, you don't show for three months or four months or that don't mean ain't no baby in there. Huh? It's growing some kind of way somehow. I mean, seriously. Now, if you can believe God or, you know, women go out the minute they, they miss a period, they go out. Oh, I got to buy some. You know, they start making the little thing, looking at little things in the store and it'd be sound. It'd be time pretty soon. You got faith. Something is increasing. And you don't have really more than one, just a simple sign, you know, a presuming sign. They call them in in uh, in uh, nursing school. I remember from my <laughs> presumptive signs of pregnancy. Amen. The only definitive sign was when the baby was born. Huh? So you you won't get a whole lot from God until the baby's born. Huh? Sometimes you don't even get labor pains when you're talking about the things of the spirit. 
They just manifest. No warning. No help from you. And no hindrance from you. Sometimes that's the best way. The best way to do it. Amen. I remember we would get every now and then you get a lady that had her baby in the the taxi cab on the way to the hospital or the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And the doctor, sometimes they'd be so hysterical. The doctor said, oh, I'm glad she had it before she got here. You know, don't give them no warning because they fight you, kick, scream, do everything. You know, some people really perform. And so God wants to get the performance out of us. So we won't disturb the birth. That's for all them people out there in the the world of spiritual la la land who'll tell you, "Oh, you're pregnant with something. God's put something in you. The labor pains is coming." I'm thinking to myself, "Come on now, seriously, you may not feel nothing." And God can manifest. Hmm? You may not know anything that going on with inside of you. Huh? Because many times God, you know, hides pregnancy from women. There have been women that come in and give birth and they say, no, I, no, I'm not pregnant. I couldn't have. And they say, well, I don't know what you've been doing, but we see a baby right here. Never had a clue. And most of them say, you know what, I'm kind of glad I did. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Baby's 100% healthy. God takes care of what he implants, folks. You got to understand that. He don't have to let you know when revival is coming. He don't have to let you know when the glory is coming. He don't have to let you know anything. He takes care of it. Because he wants it to survive. He wants it to come in and do what he wants it to do. Huh? Those little people at Azusa Street had no clue that they would turn the world upside down. They were just hungry for God. And they were looking for a place so that they could worship freely without people uh, telling them what to do, stopping what was going on, being disorderly, all of that. They wanted free worship. So they moved until they found a place where nobody would bother them. And that was in a, a broken down stable. And so, you know, if, if that's what it takes for God to manifest, that's what he'll do. He don't care about this kind of stuff. You know, stuff, stuff is everything belongs to him. All he cares about is getting his will done. Amen. And he knows how to get it done. So in Acts chapter 1, the when this started, uh, we, the disciples were told to wait. That's your, your end time waiting. Why do we wait? You'll see. Acts chapter 1, my hand is kind of slow today, turning pages, but we'll get there. Amen. They're asking to know time. Amen. They want to know when. Everybody wants to know when. Jesus doesn't even answer the question of when. Amen. He answers the question that's pertinent. 
He said to them, when they, in verse 6, he says, when they therefore will come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, when will you, this time, restore the kingdom? In other words, we want you to hang around. We got some ideas in mind. I'm going to sit at your right hand. My bro here, my bestie is on your left. Well, why can't the bestie sit on the right and you on the left? Well, no, it don't work like that. I want the best out of this deal for me. And see, that's what stops revival. Now, listen, if if you got people saying things like that, that must be what's in their heart when the kingdom comes. What's in it for me? Now, you may not believe it. You may not want to believe it. But I, I guarantee you about 90% of the ministers who are preaching revival want it to happen in their church. No place else. My place. See, God, I'm doing everything right. I'm preaching revival. I'm expecting revival. We're praying for revival a little bit when people show up. But anyway, we doing what we're supposed to do, and I want it to happen here. And Jesus tells them it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. It's for you to be faithful and do what I tell you to do right now. Times and seasons, you may not get there. But you can do what I tell you to do right now. And what what you need to do right now is going to take power. So he gets to what's important. God will ignore what's not important, but he will get to what's important. So verse 8 says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. So wherever your feet go, you're my witness there. No restrictions. So you have unlimited power to go and do whatever I tell you to go and do. But you can't know when the kingdom will be restored. When you think about it. The kingdom is being restored every time we preach the gospel. Ah. So really Jesus is summing up. This is the kingdom. The kingdom is that you go and tell everybody and cause God's power to manifest everywhere you go. That's the kingdom. He's restoring the kingdom every time we open our mouths and lead somebody to Christ. Every time we pray for a sick person, he's manifesting the kingdom. Huh? He told them when he first met them, this kingdom is invisible. It's not of this world. I'm not giving you houses to live in down here when everybody else is going to hell. Now faith people don't like stuff like that, but it's the truth. If he did it to these people, he'll do it to us too. The more comfortable you are with this world's goods, the more you ride the edge of not being effective for his kingdom because his kingdom is not of this world. 
As he spoke these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven. As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up? This same Jesus, which was taken up into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you've seen him go into heaven. So that answers their question about when the kingdom will real fully manifest. When Jesus comes, it'll manifest quickly and then we'll take off. You got me? We're not going to stay here and enjoy this, this, this sin damaged earth and think we're in heaven. He'll take us to heaven for real. Amen. So the reason though, part of the reason it says here when the chapter two, if you go there, verse one, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord on one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. One accord in one place is key to everything. One accord in one place. You don't have any dissenters here. You don't have any people that want to be on the right hand and on the left. You don't have any people that want to see the kingdom manifest in the natural. And I've been waiting so we could tell Caesar off and kick him out of office and we can take over. So once God gets rid of all them kind of people, what's left is 120 souls. Now it is said that over 500 people stood there when Jesus went up into heaven. And it took 50 days for God to get rid of the selfish people, get rid of the prideful people, get rid of the unbelieving people, get rid of the people that wanted to be first and second, all the false rulers, all the people that wanted it for their own gain. That's why we went on revival. Because we got people in the body of Christ blocking the coming of of God down to the earth in power. Because they want it for themselves. So the best pray we can pray sometimes is say, God, just remove all the people who are in self, wanted for self gain. Just silence the voices of people who keep saying we're headed for judgment and not for glory. Silence the voices of the people. Let them lose interest in this and go do something else. And God does that. He raises up people that that people would least suspect want to have anything to do with him. Why? Because he's been working in the, the secret place. You know, the earth has been 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 pregnant with the seed of revival since Jesus left. And God continually works on it. And every now and then you'll see a birth come out. Nobody knew it was coming. Nobody expected it. Is it a place nobody can? Oh, you couldn't have stopped that if you wanted to. That's what God's saying. Because the minute we know something's happened, we want to get our hands in it. Let's try to tell them how to do it. That's killed more moves of God than you can count. You look at, they keep having these little outbreaks in Florida. And every time they break out, somebody gets into strife with somebody and it ends or it gets so mixed in with the devil. You got crazy people in there snapping their neck 10 times a minute saying that's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. I mean, just crazy stuff. And it turns people off and rightly so. 
And so we have to understand that when God moves by his spirit, it's where we were in Habakkuk 2 where it says the just shall live by faith. We just got to believe. We don't have to see anything to believe. All you got to do is have God's word in you. Have a vision of what he wants to do and let God have his way. Amen. Stay out of the way of what God is doing. So the day of Pentecost came. They all had utterances of God supernaturally. They spoke in tongues that they didn't learn. They did it supernaturally by the power of God. Who would have thought that would have been a sign? Except Jesus had told them over in Mark chapter. Chapter 17, you got me? That that would be a sign. And so people are going, speaking other tongues, what's that mean? I gotta go learn a language? No, it's gonna happen supernaturally. Amen? It confounds the, the, the wisdom of the wise. It confounds the enemy. It keeps us from interpreting and negating what God is trying to do in our lives. It hides His will from us. That's why many of us are praying things. When you pray in the spirit, you don't have an idea what you're praying. Seriously. That's between her and God. You understand what I'm saying? To edify her spirit so she can get closer to God. And begin to to infuse her spirit with more God. It's a wonderful gift. And see, God knows what he's doing when he pours that out to us. Because there are times when in the public setting it will be spoken and interpreted. There's a totally different unction on it if you pay attention. You know when it's prophecy and when it's personal edification by the difference in the unction on it. So if you pay attention, you'll understand when one needs to be interpreted. And so when we do these things, folks, we have to, you see, you have to walk closely with the Holy Ghost to know what he's doing. Amen. And what he's, what he tells you, you accept it. What he don't tell you, you just going about your business. Amen. And know, <laughs> know if it's for you, he's faithful. He'll tell you. If you don't need to know it, you'll stay right like you are. But it's good to be used by God. It's good to know that you've planted some things in the spirit. And so you have a harvest waiting for you because you've been able to plant some things in the spirit. So we are in this dispensation. We're we're commanded to run with the vision. Amen. Amen. So on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit released his power. We run with the vision by unction of the Holy Ghost. So you pray in tongues enough to figure out what God's doing. For you to understand that God will tell you when I move on you like this, what this means. When my presence comes to you like this, what that means. You, you, you are in the school of the Holy Spirit. So it's up to you to pay attention so you know what the Spirit is doing. Many people get up and do things just by copying what the last person did and don't have one clue of what the Spirit of God is doing. But, but you can, you can receive that. Amen. You can receive that wisdom that's from above. So this is God's master plan that we go into all the world and preach the gospel. So in many times when we begin to wait on the things of God, we are waiting for an unction to get up and do the next thing that God moves on us to do. 
Amen. So we're waiting for unctions. We're waiting for promptings by the Holy Spirit. We're waiting on not so much words, but we're waiting on a knowledge of what God wants to do and the power or the urging on the inside for us to do those things. And if there's no unction, what did we learn from God? You don't function. Amen. You don't function without an unction because your functioning will be in vain if God's not prompting you to do it. So that's why you can be comfortable in waiting for an unction from God because you know it will come. The vision will come to pass. You know it's coming. They'll come an unction. Amen. You won't have to get upset or excited or lose heart about what God says he's going to do because that unction will will come. In Habakkuk 2 he says in at the end it will it may though it tarry wait for it because it will certainly come it will not wait forever. It will not tarry forever. It won't you won't be in the waiting stage forever. God will not disappoint you. It will come. And so I've heard people say things like well, God promised me before I leave the earth. No, he didn't. Because <laughs> then you'd know the day and the hour. You know, <laughs> the devil just get people's heads messed up. They so anxious to know everything. You won't be the first person that went to heaven without seeing everything God's promised you. You understand what I'm saying? You promise a manifestation. You're not necessarily promise you'll see it. Well, anyway. It's going to happen whether you hear or not, folks, because God promised it. Look at all the things that that, that won't happen in a, a 70 to, to 90 year lifespan. But you pray for them. We'll go home to be with the Lord, believe in him for something. And it's up to him to raise up the next person that will believe him for it. But he's always going to keep his work being done. Amen. We don't always know why waiting periods are necessary. But in the end, the vision will come to pass. It will not tarry forever. Amen. So Habakkuk saw righteousness everywhere. It says, like the waters cover the seas. Amen. The earth, they say, is about 90% water. So if the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the seas, 90% of the people you run into are going to know God. Going to know his goodness and walk in his power. So the believers are going to conquer. The Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. We're the final heirs of everything down here. Souls first. Things next. Or things not at all. Once you start winning souls for God, you could care less about things. Seriously. I mean, you know, your, your comfort is in a realm that this world cannot know anything about. So once you know your comfort's in another realm and your possessions are in another realm, you care less about the devil and thieving and stealing and all that kind of stuff because you know that God has given you possession of every. All you have to do is speak a word and in a few days it will show up on your door when you walk in the glory of God. There's so much power on it. it nothing can stop it. The devil can't stop what God has for you and you won't have to struggle over it either. So the waiting sometimes is the most difficult part for the body of Christ and for the believer. 
But when you wait, you got to understand that waiting is necessary. Waiting does not mean there's anything wrong, like the devil prompts us to think. Huh? When we we have to wait for something, the first thing that comes to our mind, what's taking so long? What's as though something's wrong? You know, and when it says the visions for an appointed time, though it tarry, wait for it. Amen. God says, I'll I'll do what I say I'm gonna do. You don't have to worry about me. I'm worried about you. <laughs> worry about yourself. Whether you can hang on or not. But waiting is important for many, many reasons. Amen. We mentioned yesterday some things about waiting. Waiting was a time of renewal. Isaiah uh, 40, I think it is. Uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Working makes you tired. Amen. Running with the vision tires you out. Now I know a lot of people don't like believing stuff like that, but, but you, the reason you sleep at night is to give your brain a rest. Amen. From firing off ideas and saying this is going to happen and you don't see it and saying that's going to happen and you don't see it. I mean, you need to rest from yourself sometimes. <laughs> give your, <laughs> as, um, somebody, I think it was Chuck say, rest your nerve. Amen. Just sit out and be quiet somewhere. So God gives us sleep so that we can rest. And he gives us periods of waiting for certain things. Psalm 27:14 says our strength comes in waiting on God. Amen. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. That's a seat of all your energy, all your strength. That's the seat where your strength can be renewed. That's where you never run out is in your spirit or in your heart. And he says, wait, I say, on the Lord. In verse 13, he says, I would have fainted unless I believed to see. Amen. The goodness of God in the land of living. So your faith keeps you from giving up on what you believe. You've got to renew your faith daily by meditating on the word. You understand this is for word people. This ain't for casual people. This is for people who are dedicated to see God do something. And and so if we will will wait on the Lord, he will strengthen us. He says strength comes to those who are courageous. In other words, don't be afraid of anything. Don't be afraid it won't happen. Don't be afraid of what your friends are going to say if it takes a long time and they keep coming by asking you, you still believe, you still praying for <laughs> so-called saints. You know how they do you. Always looking up your business. Go get some business of your own. Huh? To wait on and do something different for I thought you was, you said you was gonna do this, and I thought you said I'm still gonna do it. You just won't see it. Keep dipping in my business. Gotta move you out of town somewhere. <laughs> Keep messing with me and see. Amen. Alright, Psalm 25 and verse 21. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. I wait on you. So keeping your heart pure, if things take a while, that's going to preserve you. Amen. Integrity and uprightness or purity in your heart. 
Don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at people. Don't keep questioning yourself as to why it's taking so long. You can't make it happen any faster. I found that out. I thought, I said, well, if I do this, this, and this, it'll, I can speed it up. If I, <laughs> I can't even get myself out of bed too good these days, you know. I'm all of a sudden will take over God's job. I do this, this, and this, and that'll speed it up. No, you just, you just gotta keep your integrity. Quit, keep, quit trying to manipulate the situation. Let God have his way. And like I tell people, I said, you know, uh, nobody likes the taste of green bananas. But that's what a premature blessing is, will be like in your life. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, some, some fruit you can eat it a little underripe. You know, you can. There's some things that, you know, they won't hurt you too much. But you talk about bananas, they either green or they yellow. When they're green, you can't stomach them. Amen. They're hard. They're, they're bitter even. All that uh, distastefulness. That's what impatience will do to us. Is give us a steady diet of green bananas. And they last a long time. Now I've seen this with my own eyes since I've been saved. I prayed for people. God, can you, in your mercy, could you help them to do and no answer comes. They just got to tough it out. You know why it is? Because their faith isn't developed to the place where they can even receive from God, let alone maintain. So why would he give you a blessing that's going to mess you up? And create green bananas in your life. So you can live in the mercy of God and the grace of God so the green bananas don't dominate your experience and your taste. But you will know that you stepped out ahead of God. He does it for our own edification. If you don't know when you're wrong, how you know when you're right? People scared of being wrong. They're scared of correction. I don't know who raised most of the kids in this world, but people in this world, but man, they scared of a whooping. They scared of a restriction. They're scared of everything that speaks discipline. Where discipline is the best thing in the world for you if you'll receive it at the hand of God. Amen. So God says you're preserved. Amen. Through waiting. Uh, Psalm 25 and verse 3 says, Yea, let none that wait on you be ashamed. You wait on God, it's going to be nothing but party, party, party in the spirit. You know what I'm saying. It'll be a good time. Everything that you receive from God will be blessed if you learn how to wait on him. And you won't be ashamed where people say, well, I thought you said God was going to do this for you, that for you, and that for you, and they haven't seen it yet. And you haven't either. Because you stepped out ahead of God, trying to rush him, make him do something, man. And the worst part is when people call it God and it's not God and they know it because none of the signs of a blessing are there. And see, you'll be stuck in your own delusion, forcing yourself to try to accept it as God. You got me? Best thing to do when you know you've stepped off wrong, you better repent and do it quickly. You know, God, I see what I did now. I I didn't trust you. I thought if if I didn't wait for the right person to marry, you know what I'm saying? I thought if I just went ahead 
Well, it won't be so bad. That's the first thing the devil tells you. And he got a whopper waiting for you. Amen. He'll pop you between your eyes so quick. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Let the love of God constrain you to continue to wait. It doesn't matter how old you get. Everybody can enjoy a good life when it comes. You you won't be upset when your life is good. I don't care how old you are. You got me? You'll be just as happy for it when you look at Zechariah and and uh, uh Elizabeth up in their 90s. Abraham and Sarah up in their 90s. And see, old was old back then. I mean, a hundred is a hundred. I don't care what age you live in. Good grief. Mostly impatience comes because we lack faith. We don't really trust God. And he's trying to get us over that barely believing into trust hump. You know, there's levels of faith that we, sometimes you can just settle in, have such a confidence in God, you're not shaken. At all. You know what I'm saying? You want to, you want to reach that place. You don't want to keep popping up with a new idea to mess yourself up. You got me? And we have tons of them. The devil's always, he's always got words for people who are impatient. Always. Man. So then, uh, let me see. Psalms 145. We'll go there, 145.15. Let the eyes of all that wait upon you. Huh? The eyes of all that wait upon you and give them their meat in due season. So when it says the eyes of those who wait, that's somebody who's waiting with expectation. That's not the board grumbling, I'll be glad when it happens, or if it don't happen today, I'm done. You know, those kind of people. He's talking about the eyes of those who wait for you. Those who wait with expectation. You'll see that in several scriptures about eyes waiting. That means wait with anticipation. In other words, you know clearly what you're waiting on. And you wait with expectation. Amen. The eyes of God wait upon you. I remember praying for the house that I live in now. And I had set a budget for it. And I wasn't going to go over that budget. But I remember uh, when when I would talk to the real estate person. I would tell them what my upper budget was. And so you know how when they search for homes. They put the upper budget in there as a high number. And it never dawned on me that God would get me a more valuable home, but I would pay that amount for it. And I remember one morning getting out of the shower and I was talking to God about the house. I was going to look for houses again. Oh boy, here we go again. Gotta look, gotta look, gotta look. And I said, God, just get me a house. And I said, that's wonderful. And the minute I said those words, I tried to grab them and pull them back in my mouth. Because in my mind, wonderful meant too much money. You know, if you're really slow, God will squeeze the desire of your heart out of you. 
That's how badly he wants to bless us. Your mind can tell you no, that's not for you. No, don't pray that. No, don't say that. No, that's it. And I had let my mind, my carnal mind do that to me. Because I was a new widow. I didn't know what I would need down the line. I didn't have enough confidence in God to say, well, God, whatever I need, you'll be there for me. Simple stuff like that. I lived in a zone where it was anxiety. So he had to squeeze permission out of me to give me the desire of my heart. Now don't look at me like I'm from Mars or something. Y'all do it too. If you haven't done it, you will do it. <laughs> Amen. Because you'll be scared to ask for what you really see. huh? You'll be scared to ask for it in faith. But the faith is in there. And so many times, you know how people when when you say, we'll take the offering now. And they go get, they hide the purse. Start looking up at the ceiling. <laughs> Same thing. Because they're scared they're going to give too much. You never give too much for God. You know what I'm saying, people. That's that's the, I tell people, I say, giving you the offering should be the time where we have the most faith released. And it's the, the time where the least is, well, I can't give that. It's, oh, no, I don't want to do, uh-uh, oh, oh, don't, don't ask for this. Don't ask, oh, yeah. And that's why people don't get what God wants them to have. Your your mind, your carnal mind will block everything good God wants to do for you. It just will. You just have to face that and, and not cooperate with the devil. But that it just seemed that after that, I started telling the real estate person to just, I said, well, increase the upper limit by so-and-so and, and we'll see what happens. Sure enough, house I, I'm in now popped up. I paid my upper limit budget for it. I got that house for $30,000 less than it was listed for. You understand what I'm saying? This was like before that big recession where every all the prices of the houses were drastically inflated. And God told me, the the, the guy, the, the realtor said, well, the guy said, just make him an offer. And I gave it to her and she looked at, at it and said, well, why is it so low? I said, this ain't your money. That's why it is. Don't ask me why. This ain't your money. This God's money. That's what he told me to put down on the paper. You know, people don't have good sense sometimes. They just, you know, anyhow. But, um, amen. So, so God tells us that there's no shame. In other words, God won't mess you up. And let you be embarrassed in front of people. When he told Abraham to change his name to father of multitude. People would say Abram. And he said oh no it's Abraham now. And they look at him like he was crazy. You understand me? Old as you were. You claiming more kids. Really? Huh? But he did it anyway. Well he waited on God and he wasn't ashamed. Amen. Isaiah 30.18 says, if you wait, there's a blessing waiting for you. Amen. This is not going to be bad news for you. Not if your waiting is in God. What did I say? Isaiah 30 verse 18.
And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. Therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for him. Everybody that waits on God has a blessing waiting at the end of the waiting. Amen. There's a blessing waiting at the end of the waiting. Lamentations 3.25 tells us that goodness comes to those who wait. It's not you not going to run out of time for this little bit of stuff you want. You know, some of us should be ashamed for falling out with God about something as trivial as what we say we're waiting on. It's really bad. Especially if you walk with God for some number of years and you're going to fall out with him over something that costs earth money. Ask him for something that you can't pay for. Like the souls of all them renegade people in your family. Huh? You can't buy that. Ask him for something big. Anything with a dollar sign attached to it is small change. Don't insult God like that. Lamentations 3.25 The Lord is good to them that wait on him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly, uh, uh, quietly, not complaining, quietly, not saying why you think it won't happen, quietly wait on the Lord. Amen. It's a good thing. Be patient. Don't let anybody know you're stressed out. Learn how to get in the flow of God's spirit. Understand what he's doing. And if you don't know what he's doing, stay quiet. Amen. Don't try to guess and run your mouth and start messing things up. Amen. I was um, listening to a woman a prophetess, she's a prophetess from back in the 50s and 60s when you couldn't even preach in some of the churches that, you know, they'd run women out and, oh, you can't be preaching up in here, all of this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, she, she was one of those people that would always go to God to get answers. You see, those are good people to listen to because they don't make stuff up. They have answers. And she was saying that she kept seeing an angel with a bright package, uh, with a pretty bow. She said it was just beautiful. And she said she was standing not far from the angel and he kept trying to give it to her, but she would open her mouth and he would have to pull it away. And she said it kept happening and kept happening. And and uh, she said she finally asked the Lord. She said, Lord, what is this? I want this package. He said, that's your words. He said, you pray and ask me for it in faith. He said, and then while you're waiting, you start saying why it won't happen. And when is it going to happen? And what is it? He said, and it pushes it away from your receiving. It caused me to shut up a lot of times when I felt like I needed to speak. You understand what I'm saying? And hopefully that blesses you too. Because your carnal mind will start to have you try to explain everything that goes on. And it needs no explanation. See, when you're waiting, what why it's not here is irrelevant. 
Do you know how irrelevant it is as to why you don't have this yet and why you don't have that? That is so irrelevant. What's relevant is that you continue to believe and recognize that the devil is trying to talk you out of what God promised you by using your own mouth to push it away. Learn how to be quiet. Don't get nervous to explain everything. You got me? I mean, seriously, don't get nervous to explain everything. Like people sit up and, and a pain will hit them out of nowhere. Wonder what that is. I wonder what that, what could that be? Whatever you want to make it. Because you have faith and you have authority. So how are you going to use your faith and your authority? You're going to not consider it? That's what the Bible tells us to do. We'll be like Abraham. He didn't consider the weakness of his body, the age of his body. The Bible says he didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. That's just unbelief talking. You know, you, you, you indict yourself with your words or you justify yourself with your words. But if you can hold your peace, you won't be flipping words out of your mouth that need not be said. Amen. Your words always locate where your faith is. So goodness comes to those who wait. Amen. Lamentations 3.25 says that. Zephaniah 3.8. Let me see if I can find that. We did Isaiah, right? Zephaniah 3.8. I know he hiding back here somewhere. Where you at? (laughs) Praise God. Well, at least in the New Testament, they put all the what the J's together or something like that, the H's together. Here they got you all over the place. Zephaniah three eight. Has anybody found it yet? Oh, don't tell me. You know, I had my little marker in there, and I yeah, I moved him. Therefore, wait upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. Ah, yes. Come and get the enemy. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them my indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Amen. So you don't have to worry about these people who don't do right. You don't, oh, don't, what, God, when are they gonna, you know, the, he's already answered that question. God will deal with those people as they need to be dealt with. Amen? So God is going to do everything he says he's going to do in that vision. Amen? The word wait actually means to bind together. So when you wait on something, you're in agreement with God. If you're waiting on the word of the Lord to come to pass, you're in agreement with God and you're in agreement and your position is to stand until it comes to pass. To wait also means to expect and to look for. Amen. The wait you need to know can be long or short. You need to be prepared for either one and trust God through either one. In, in serving God, we'll have periods of activity. And in the waiting period, in waiting for the long haul, there will be times where we will run, do short runs. 
But there's a waiting for the main thing. Amen. The main thing that you're waiting on. You'll have signs that your waiting is not in vain. God will encourage you along the way. He won't let the devil destroy your mind with unbelief, you know, regret, torment, misgivings. He won't let that happen. But we are greatly encouraged while we're waiting on the Lord. And you could encourage yourself in the word. Refresh the vision. Rehearse the word in your ears. He would tell the children of Israel to do that over and over again. Because they had a long wait for some things, folks. Amen. God will certainly visit his people. Pour out his spirit with no limitations. There is no limitation on what God will pour out. There is unlimited outpour. So in other words, if you pray for somebody to receive the gift of tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can do that over and over and over again. Every time you pray for them, God will show up and they'll receive the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When the apostles preached Jesus from that time on, the outpour returned. That that spirit will pour out on people. They said like it did at the beginning. Amen. Keep pouring out. It is unlimited. We are going to see a great outpour where in it's increasing like the whole earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory. It's increasing all the time. I don't care what you know, these people that that go around and doing their statistical things and questioning things. Oh, Islam is increasing faster than that. Who says? Who says? It's just a temporary. I, f- I figure anything that's not of God's spirit is only a temporary state of mind. It's from the earth and it's temporal. You can convince any Muslim that Jesus is real. You just got to believe it for yourself that what they have is not more powerful than what we have. Get real. Do you understand me? These people aren't too tough that you can't witness to them. And tell them what God has. The only thing we got to do is quit getting mad at them. Because of their ignorance. Now I'm speaking for me. It ticks me off when people are there. I know more about Jesus than you do. Yeah but do you know him as your friend? You got me as your savior. Whatever. You know I mean say something that's real. So people can have something to grab on to. But, but with his spirit. The outpour of his spirit. And sometimes that's what God's building in his people is a compassion for the lost, whoever they are. Because the devil will make sure you hate them. If he can get you to hating people, man, he'll do it in a minute. But if you can let the love and compassion of God start forgiving people for their ignorance. Forgiving them for the fact that they don't know the Lord. Forgive them for those things. And and we can see God's outpour increase like the waters cover the seas. Amen. All right, we'll stop. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you for blessing us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our midst. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs-